Let's turn to Psalm 16, verse 11, just the one verse. This is part two of this, and if you've missed part one, don't worry. It's not really going to have much impact on today's. I'm not going to do a big recap because it'll take too much time this morning. Psalm 16, verse 11, just one verse we're going to read for our opening. But we will read other verses and speak of other things. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. I have lived this verse in my head and my heart for three weeks now. Thou wilt show me the path of life. Last week we looked at it. How unless the Holy Spirit shows us the path of life. We called it part one, the revealed path. Secondly, we have relishing presence. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Relishing in his presence. And thirdly, we have replenishing pleasures. The right hand there is there are pleasures forevermore. Forevermore. These pleasures that are ours and that we will have and experience and, and we will live in are his pleasures, his joy that we will have. They are replenishing. That means a, a constant going, giving. So this morning, we want to look at relishing presence more than uh, anything else and see where the Lord leads us. We may need a third. If not, we'll do something else next week. But we looked last week as how the psalmist says, Thou wilt show me the path of life. And the whole thrust of it was that you and I, in our depravity, are unable to save ourselves. Nothing we can do, add, give, apply to the work of Christ will save our souls. It's accepting only the work of Christ. It's accepting what he has accomplished for us in it. And even to see that, we need our dead, lifeless spirits quickened by the Holy Ghost. We need the Spirit of God to show us Calvary and to show us the Lord Jesus and to show us his precious blood, but to show us our need of him, that we are sinners and without hope. And then throughout the life, it's revelatory as we read the word and walk with him. He reveals through the scriptures his will to us. And he leads us in the path of life. We looked at it last week. We must move on. You can get it online if you want to watch or listen to it. And the second part this morning then is we're going to look at relishing presence. Revealed path now, relishing presence. Our verse says, Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy presence. Can I ask you, church, this morning, Were you conscious of his presence when we were worshiping? Now, can I ask you something else? If you were conscious of his presence, did you worship? If you were conscious of his presence, did you reverence him? You see, we're going to look at this word presence because it's more than just act the presence of the Lord was here. We have to get the grips that even when the Spirit speaks, God himself speaks to us. When his presence is with us, God himself, as it were, has turned his face to our assembly. 
Imagine that the God of the universe has turned his face to CET this morning. Has turned himself to Christ Encounters Tabernacle this morning. He's turned his face many other places, but he has turned his face to us this morning. In thy presence is fullness of joy. So when the presence of the Lord is so evident among us, and we're aware that he's turned his face to us, here's something I want to ask you. Does it fill your heart full of gratitude, and adoration of him, and joy, the, the, the knowledge of sins forgiven? That you're righteous before your father because you're in Christ. That when he looks at you, he doesn't see your faults and your failures. He doesn't see all your problems that you cause even for yourself. But what he sees, he doesn't see your sin. He sees you through him. He sees you through what he, Christ, has done for you. And he sees you in love. Now, he loves you. That he loves you. I told you last week. I emphasized it and I repeated it. He loves you. When the father looks at me, if he wanted, if, he, if it was for outside of Christ, he, he could look at me and see me in all my ways and all my sin. He could see me in all my thoughts and all my deeds and in all my actions. But since I am in Christ... When he looks at me, I'm nothing special, but when he looks at me, he sees me as special. That's not arrogance or boastful. That's truth of the word of God because he sees me as precious. Listen, he sees me as precious as Christ is to him. And he sees you, Christian, yes, with all your faults. And the times you've failed him. He looks at you through Jesus. He doesn't look at you for you. He looks at you through Jesus. I love the optics that God looked at Israel through when they were at the Red Sea. Remember the Egyptians were coming and a pillar of fire came down between them. And Israel was on one side of the fire. The Egyptians were on the other. And the sea was before them and the cloud came and they were baptized under Moses through the, the sea and under the cloud, remember? We see, the, the optics that God looked through then was he looked through fire upon Egypt. Think about it. He looked through fire upon Egypt, but he looked on the other side, past fire, and through the cloud of witness upon his people. And he looked through fire, as it were, of judgment upon us. But now in Christ, he looks through us to, to, at us through the cloud of witness, which is his Son, and what Christ has accomplished for us. So when Jesus sees me and his presence comes here, I am full of gratitude. Because I could have been, I could have been seen through the fire. I could have been seen through those eyes of fire, of fiery judgment. But when God looks at us who are in Christ this morning, the true church, the blood-washed church, he sees us through the cloud of witness who is Christ Jesus our Lord. He sees us through the blood of the Lamb and, and he sees us righteous and perfect and holy. Imagine you're holy. Not because of what you do, but because of who is in you. Because what Christ has done. Oh, he loves us this morning. He loves you. How could you love me, Lord? I've let you down. I've said it to him on the way round in the car. 
I prayed it to him this morning in my study. I got on my knees. I know everyone was up. The ladies were upstairs doing their hair and doing all that fancy stuff they do with these curling tongs or whatever. And I'm downstairs and I'm on my knees hanging over the settee and I'm praying this morning. And I says, oh Lord, what did you ever see in me? And how could you ever love me? All eternity will never find it out. But I'll tell you what. He just says, accept it. I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I loved you before you were born. I loved you before Adam fell in the garden. I loved you, and I still do. And when God sets his love upon his own, he never takes it away. What a wonderful Savior the Lord is. The relishing presence is fullness of joy. The word for presence here is the word ponim. I want you to say ponim. I'll tell you why, because I'm going to look at another word in a moment that's similar, but it means something different. Would you say ponim? Would you say it one more time? Ponim. Do you know what ponim means? Face. Face. It means that part which turns. That's where it reads. So if you and I are crossing the road... And I come up to the, uh, the footpath edge and the road is there and the Green Cross code man always told you to look to the left and look to the right in school. So, uh, and if you're listening from the States, you look the other way around. Don't be doing that. But you look to the left and you look to the right. The face that turns, that part which turns, that part which goes from side to side. You're, you're looking to see if there are any cars or vehicles on the road. That's the ponim, the part that turns. And so the psalmist is saying, this is the psalmist who's had many ups and downs. This is the psalmist who has been under the stars and tried to count them and number them and he couldn't. This is the psalmist who tended the sheep and who found out uh, that whereas he tended the sheep, so God would tend after him. Seeing the relationship between him and Yahweh, Almighty God. And here he writes this because at certain points in times, he was aware of the anointing as he wrote and penned these psalms. In thy presence, O God, when your face is toward me, when you turn to look at me, there's fullness of joy. There's fullness of joy. You see, pony means that part which turns and someone might say, is God not omnipresent? Is God not everywhere at once? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Well, then how does he need to turn? You see, it's, a, it's for you and I, for our understanding, our human understanding, our, our intellect. We are finite in our intelligence and especially toward God because, remember, he must be revealing to us. If he doesn't reveal himself, then we won't know him. We can only know that which God has shown us through his word. And so for our human understanding, he says, when my face turns. So God is omnipresent and his face does turn. Ponim can mean before his face. So if I was here and I'm here bringing God's word to you this morning, I'm before your face. You are face to face with me. So everything is before God's face. But the idea here is when God moves and comes in attention. So, it means, uh, and it tends to lend the idea to 
God's uh, nearness, his immediate, tangible, if I can use the word felt presence, where we are conscious of him. So the next time you're in a meeting, or the next time you're in your devotional reading, or the next time you're in a prayer meeting, or the next time you're in a worship service, or the next time you're hearing the word, or the next time you're praying alone, or the next time you're out walking, speaking to God, and you're conscious of that time, suddenly he's there. Suddenly, see, he's always there, but we're aware of him. That sense of breakthrough seems to happen, as it were. Suddenly he's there. That's the name of God when God has come to show his face. Now, what do you want, he says? What is it you want, Jay? Well, Lord, hold on, they get my last out. Moan, 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 oh, and bless them too. Many people pray like that, be honest. Many people, not an honest one among you. You've just broken one of the commandments, I shall not lie. I'd put my two hands up. The shopping list experience of prayer soon wears thin on us and we leads us to lack of prayer. Prayer should be like freshness, like the manna that come in the morning. Lord, give me something new. Surely since you are inexhaustible, surely since you alone are eternal, surely you You're the one whom I cannot plumb the depths of nor fathom with my finite understanding. Surely you can give me more. Ask him to reveal more. But what is it we look for him? What is it we look from him? So when we think of this word, it means that God's coming to encounter you. God is coming to meet with you. Listen, in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, remember Adam and Eve's sin in the garden. In chapter 3 verse 8 it says, talks of Adam and Eve, and they heard the voice of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife Eve hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God amongst the trees of the garden. God was omnipresent. But the idea here is that consciousness came of what they had done. The holiness became alive unto them where they realized they were walking in the holiness, the garment of light of God. And sin came and brought forth death. And since it had, they realized their, their, their unworthiness, their inability So all of a sudden when God comes, as it were, when his presence, his face comes in attention to the garden, in other words, when they're conscious of God, they hide themselves. The Lord says, Adam, where art thou? Did God not know where he was? Of course he knew where he was. But God calls us that we will come out and that we will stand before him with an open heart that we may say, Lord, I have went wrong. 
what I have done wrong. Just come out and tell me, Adam, what have you done? What have you done? Now notice this, and stay with me for it. Psalm 34, verse 16 says, The face of the Lord is against them that do evil. Again, evil will be rewarded by God. It's the same. God's face will come. They'll get their comeuppance, as we would say. God will deal with them. Psalm 23 and verse 5, listen. When you're in a battle, when you're in fear, when you're in trouble, when you're worried, when you then turn to him and go to his table, that which he has laid out before you, that when you know where we're speaking of further, who you are in him, how the Father sees you in Christ, how you're forgiven, you're washed, you're righteous, you're declared just before God, and how when you're there, you're a son, you're a daughter of God, and you have pleasures and privileges that none other do. So you're like David at his table. Thou preparest the table. See, even God does that. Thou preparest the table before me in the presence or the, in the face of my enemies. So when your enemies are against you, and people slander you, or they say things about you, or when other things come, and maybe the devil's using other people to do other things, or maybe whatever it is that comes against you, brother, you sister, child of God, you can say, Lord, I know who I am in you. I know who I am before you. I know that I'm your son. I know I'm your daughter. I know I'm your child. I know that I'm blood-washed. I'm blood-bought. I know that as I, I'm before you, even with my problems, my faults and failures, you see me righteous in him. And you say, I am yours. Feast at his table. Here it is. This book, the Bible. Feast on it. Feast in it. Take from it and eat the bread of life. And drink of his spirit. Lord, I'm at your table. Thou preparest the table. You see, David, oh, thinking of his life and the things he's come through and the battles he's had and the ones who have hated him and those who have loved him and those who have let him down and those who have been just rubbish with him and those who have hunted him like Saul and 20,000 chosen men of all Israel hiding in caves and holes of the rocks. And now he's saying, Oh, Lord, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Their face is raging. The devil's raging. But still I can sit and say, I know who I am in him. I know who I am with you. I prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies. I anointest my head with oil. You know what that tells me? Even when the enemy tells you you're no good. Even when the enemy tells you you can't. See when the enemy tells you you're useless. See when the enemy tells you you have no chance with God. See when the enemy says you're finished for a ministry. You know what you say? I know who I am, devil. The Lord has prepared this table no matter what you're saying, no matter what you're trying, no matter what you're throwing at me. He's prepared a table for me to feast at. And guess what? I'm still anointed with oil. I'm still anointed because I'm his child. Oh, joy, my cup runneth over, he says. My cup runneth over. I notice, here we have the Lord then in Psalm 27 and verse 8. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, will I seek. 
We're going to read that again. Psalm 27 and verse 8. When thou saidest, Seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, Thy face, Lord, will I seek. Have you ever been in the place where God calls you to prayer? I'm not talking about the ritualized prayer. Oh, seven o'clock and come back. And look, it's okay. I'm not saying against your praying, by the way. Please don't get me wrong. Please do that. I'm not saying that. Have ever been a time when God just calls your heart? Come speak to me. Come into my presence and talk. Forget the time you go in and you, you don't know what to say. Forget the time you go in and you don't know where to start. I'm going to get those out, Lord. Moan, moan, moan. Moan, 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 moan. Murmur, 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 murmur. He says, put it down and talk to me. Put it down. I see it all. Leave it with me. Talk, seek my face. Now, of course, we pray for sick. We pray for loved ones. We pray for the lost. We pray and we keep praying things through. Of course we do. Of course we do. But there must be a time when we come just to pray, to seek him. Just him. Here's a little challenge, if you want, for a better word for you. From this day for a week, for a week, go into his presence and seek him for him and ask him for nothing. Will you see how hard it is? We're so used to saying, give, do, here, there, this way, that way. Lord, we'll tell you what we want. Try it. Because you're praying and all of a sudden you're going to start feeling guilty for the one you haven't prayed for. For the thing you haven't brought before him. No. He says, seek me. (coughs) Brother, sister, do you not realize when you have him, You have it all. You have it all. When I said, seek ye my face, it's the word ponim. My heart, not just my lips, and I'll change my mind. Heart said unto thee, thy face, Lord, thy ponim, Lord. Well, I seek, I'm looking for you to turn to me. I hope they're getting this. Lord, I'm looking for your presence. I'm looking for your tangible, immediate attention and presence that it's you and me. Just you and me, Lord. I don't care about the rest of the family. I don't care about the rest of the world. And I'm not going to bring anyone or anything before you. I just want you. I want you. I don't want anything else. I'm not going to ask you for health. I'm not going to ask you for healing. I'm not going to ask you for blessing. I'm not going to ask you about finances. I'm not going to even ask you for the lost loved ones. I'm not going to ask you. All I want is you. Give me you, Jesus. That God could watch us from afar and we would be before his face. But he says, seek intimacy with me. Seek an encounter with me. And this is something I've wrote, and I hope I get it across right. Do 
something to cause him to manifest himself in your midst. Are we just gathering he's here? Absolutely. We just gather in his faithfulness he comes? Absolutely. So how can we do something? Fix our minds in him. Drop everything of our hearts and say, Lord, I'm not even going to ask for anyone or anything else. I'm going to ask for you. I'm going to worship you from my heart. I'm just going to praise you with all I have. I'm not going to worry about who's before me, who's behind me, who's in the left hand or the right hand. I'm not going to worry whether I can sing or whether I can't. I'm not going to worry if I want to take my shoes off and dance as long as I have you. Brothers and sisters, it's what we need is him. We need him. So in thy presence is fullness of joy. And when we get those times, we get glimpses and glimmers of glory. This morning I was conscious of his presence and Steve moving and singing and the Spirit moving among us and speaking and I was just conscious of that anointing. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. I spoke just, I think it was last week, to someone who was Let's just say was well versed in the drug scene before they got saved. And they said to me, you know, I've come to know that when I'm conscious of the presence of Christ, there's no drug can do what he does. There's no sense that a drug can give me than what he does when he's close. You see, the problem is so many people want drugs of others, drugs of entertainment and put replacement for the Holy Ghost. D- drugs of easy life and putting it for the Holy Ghost. Drugs of comfort zones and they put it in place of the Holy Ghost. I'm resting in the Spirit. No. There is no substitute for the reality of the Holy Spirit. None. None. So here when we have in thy presence is fullness of joy. Those times we get glimpses and glimmers of glory. So then we have to ask, how joyous would it be when we get there? (laughs) What's it going to be like when it's in its fullness, when you haven't got your aches and your pains, when you haven't got your worries and your problems, it's niggling even at the back of your head when you're trying to, to worship the Lord? What's it going to be like when we haven't got this body of flesh but a glorified body whenever Christ returns? What's it going to be like when we enter into the fullness of that blessing and joy? What's it going to be like? How can we even imagine that? The word here, in thy presence is fullness of joy. Actually, it's, it's plural. So, in thy presence is fullness of joys. <laughs> It's just not joy. It's joy after joy after joy. A joy from here, a joy from there, a joy about this and a joy about that. We're going to be full of joy. Look at this and look at that and look at the other one. Look at the, what the Lord's done over here. Look where he is over here. Look at the presence. It's his, it's his anointing upon us that will bring the joy. It's plural. Nehemiah tells us, Nehemiah 8 and 10, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And of course, Jesus, Matthew 25, verses 21 and 23, 
he says to the servants that have done well, well done, good, faithful servant, enter thou into the joy. I'm going to round this up and finish this at this point. When God, I put it in brackets, shows up, we relish in his presence. It's then to be grateful, thankful, and worship him. And so, the word ponim. Next week, we're going to look at the word naim. <laughs> Hadn't time to get to it. Naim. And we're going to see how it's God's right hand and what he gives is the, the naim. And what he's saying is at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Uh, and there is the, the pleasures are the naim. It's what he does and what he gives is the, the naim of God. But the ponim is who he is. Let's start to worship and praise him and pray even in our personal, private life, just, just try it to say, Lord, I've already got your hand. I'm not seeking anything from you. All I want is more of you, more of your presence. I want you in my life, Lord. God bless his word to us this morning. For Jesus' name's sake. Amen.